This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of Pitching Powerhouse. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and today we are going to answer a question asked in our Profitable PR Pros community by Avery Jones. Uh, Man, I can totally relate to this one. She says, does anyone have best practices on how to handle busy clients? And we interpreted that to mean (laughs) like unresponsive clients, which is kind of a nightmare for me and probably for you because you work so hard to get these feature opportunities for them that uh, are, you know, we know we have to be super responsive. It's what we teach in the pitch lab, be immediately responsive. You want to be as um, supportive and helpful to journalists as possible. And when you have a client that's quote unquote busy, which we know means they're not getting back to you, it's incredibly frustrating. So we have some advice from our community and from a member of my team, and then I'll share some of my best practices for how we handle this. So uh, we have Kim Alexander Livingood in the Profitable PR Pros community said, set up a regularly scheduled meeting so you're in their calendar in advance. And then Fallon Taylor basically said, busy clients are actually my ideal clients. I understand what she's saying here. We love clients that basically leave us alone. And I wouldn't say that it's that because they're busy. Um, we love clients that just kind of let us do our thing. Those are the ones that trust you the most. They're the ones that know they made a great decision in bringing you in. And so they're not going to micromanage you. And they tend to pay higher retainers. So I know that you know you assume if a client leaves you alone, it's because they're busy. But we have found that it's because they're confident in their decision to bring you in as the expert. So, um, but what we're talking about here are these busy clients that are maybe not responsive. Um, and Miranda, who is my integrator in my business, said from her experience. Busy clients are the best types of clients to work with because they leave you alone, which is kind of what we said, right? But she said it can be a double-edged sword for sure. If there are things that you need from them and they consistently won't get back to you in a timely manner, I I recommend having some type of plan B contingency. And this may be something you put in your contract or discuss with them uh, so that you can proceed without letting them slow you down. If you can move forward without needing them to jump in, that's going to let you go and get those features and not let them kind of sabotage those opportunities because they're just not responding to you. So this really works well with things that your client needs to approve. So for example, if you've prepared something for their approval, give them a certain number of days or weeks to get to it And then if they haven't gotten back to you, there's a mutual understanding that you'll proceed without this approval. 
that by them, it's almost like they're acquiescing, like, fine, I have no feedback or, you know, just hit the ground running because I have no changes. Um, It would be nice if they could say no changes, but assume if you want to move things forward that you just got to go with what you got. Um, But it's a trickier situation if you need a deliverable from them in order to proceed. So in this case, it's really important that you discuss expectations and explain to them that if you don't get what you need in a timely manner, their results won't be as good. I heard from someone in our group that she had an interview with the New York Times set up for her client and she could not get him to respond and give her a hard date that he was available and he wouldn't respond to interview questions. I mean, I'm like stressed out just thinking about it because my God, imagine how hard you work to get a New York Times opportunity and the client blows it. And then obviously they're gonna come back and say some nonsense like, well, you're not getting me any opportunities. (laughs) You're like, hello, (laughs) you're blowing it. So here's actually my advice because this has come up quite a bit in my 16 years running Generation PR. And we've kind of realized there's multiple phases when this comes up. So at the very beginning, when you start working with any client, but especially those who seem like they're going to be hard to reach, have a meeting where you establish expectations. So hold your clients accountable for their participation in your success by setting those clear expectations right from the beginning. So they need to understand that you it's a partnership that you need them to be responsive in order for you to be as effective as possible. So um, you can even include a clause in your contract about client conduct expectations. We have had several members of our community say that they've included a client conduct clause in the contract because they have certain expectations of how the client is going to uh, support this partnership And when they don't do it, it's, you know, if it's in the contract, it's essentially breach of contract. You can't do your job. Um, You know, the other thing is you can see if there's somebody internal at the company who will be your set point of contact right from the start when you start working with a new client. Because if you're expecting to hear from the CEO or the CMO, somebody with a very senior role, you might not be able to get to them or you might be low on the priority list. And we all know when an editor's on deadline, we wanna get to them, okay? So you can establish a point of contact that's going to be responsive, that's going to help you get what you need from the responsible parties in a kind of really timely manner. Um, And you know how to get a hold of that person and they understand that you might be working with some urgency. So in the beginning, communicate with clients how important responsiveness is. My God, it's like, how are we going to do our jobs if we can't get what we need from the client? I need to hear from you. (laughs) Like, hello, I'm over here trying to work on your behalf. Uh, So you have to really kind of convey that their role in this is to just get back to you Um, and anticipate what you might need in advance so you have those things. So you want to anticipate making sure all of the assets you need. So that's images, um, 
an about uh, copy for the founder, for the brand. Um, you have all their marketing copy if they have it. You have their logos, lifestyle shots, you know, product shots, photography of like great uh, founder shots so that you can send that off um, quickly because sometimes you will get an opportunity to do an interview on behalf of your client. Maybe you have some responses. We're going to get into that. But it's going to allow you to just be immediately responsive so that you can button up these opportunities for your clients. Um, you can always tell your clients when you reach out to them that it's important. And I have that in all caps. So you can show them you know that they're busy and you respect their time, but you're going to be reaching out when it's essential to be successful at your job. So you're not bugging them with every little minor thing. We come to our clients with solutions, not problems. So when we're reaching out to a client, it's because we are offering them either a solution to something, like here's the situation, we could do this and this is what that will look like or we're gonna approach it like this and this is the outcome there and maybe let them decide. But don't go to them and just say, ah, you know, my hair's on fire, I have a problem um, without trying to solve the problem yourself. So you're letting them know, I understand your time's important and I'm coming to you because I do need your support on this one thing. Um, you know, and we also notice that you will start to experience during the courting process. So when you're trying to bring clients in to your agency and you're pitching new business to them and they're not responsive. And I have this going on with a prospective client right now. They were all hot and heavy. We need a proposal. Let's get your team on a call. And I gave some dates and we gave some follow-up questions to a discussion we had so that I could um, fill out the, not fill out, but create the proposal in a way that was going to effectively communicate what we can do for them and what that would cost based on what they have in the pipeline for the next six to 12 months. Well, we gave them times that our team was available and we gave them some questions and we haven't heard back. So my spidey senses are going off a little bit that this might be a problem client. If they're going to be difficult and non-responsive during the courting phase, imagine what they're going to be like when you're on board. So we, so this to me is a red flag, and we actually have this really awesome, comprehensive red flags training inside my program called the Agency Accelerator that's going to help you identify client issues before you start working with them. And I've had members of our program literally tell me that that saved them on so many, they knew what to look for and it saved them hours and hours of, you know, wasted time with a client that was never gonna get them what they needed, that was never gonna be a good client um, and a lot of heartache. It's that stress. Like we want you to build a business you love and bring on clients that are like awesome, the best clients to work with. And if they're going to hold you up, you'll see that in the in the courting period. And that's a red flag. Pay attention to it. And that's in the agency accelerator. Keep that in mind. If they're not responsive during the pitch period where you're trying to sell your services, guess what? They're probably not going to be responsive when you're working with them. If a busy client um, is not responsive, or if a busy and unresponsive client is what you're working with, you need to reflect on how 
that's going to impact you. So an example is if you pitch a client for an expert interview and you land that opportunity, but they don't respond or show up or they come late, they don't show up on time, you'll, you personally will not only not get the coverage, but you could potentially damage your reputation and your relationship with that media contact. And that to us is like, ugh, just an absolute like nightmare of a situation because you're working so hard. You get this opportunity. You know how excited. It's like getting a fish on the hook. You're like, yes, I, I got one. And the client blows it. And now that journalist, they're not going to take your calls. They're not going to take your calls. Who are saying calls? We don't call anymore. They won't. They won't respond to your emails. They're going to think, well, they have flaky clients or maybe they think it's you. They don't know. So how can you combat that in advance? Before pitching time-sensitive opportunities that involve your client, let them know how important it is that they be responsive. And then also we do this little cheat, give an earlier deadline than the journalist actually requests. So you wanna build in this cushion time so that they actually meet the real deadline. Reach out to clients earlier if possible when you need something so that you can follow up and remind them. Okay, so it's kind of like, you know, like we do this with people that are late all the time. You'll be like, oh, it starts at 1130, but it's really 1145 because you know they're always going to be late. Also be more proactive in letting clients know what is on the horizon and that you'll need them to participate in order to achieve results. And you can always submit client interview pitches without the client's feedback if they don't get back to you in time. So sometimes we will at the beginning or right as we start business outreach or outreach on behalf of the founder, we will interview them and we'll take copious notes and get all the information in their words. You can even do a Zoom and record it, transcribe it, ask them a bunch of questions that you think are likely to come up based on the pitch angles you're going to be doing for them to secure press for them. And then if it doesn't have to be like a real-time interview and you get the interview questions from the journalists in advance, you can just answer them for the client. You have their words and you can either send it to them to run it by them or just edit it and send it off. And they, you, you have their blessing because you know they know that you're answering them based on how they would want to answer them. Right. Um, and of course, it's a lot easier to answer one or two unknown questions than an entire comprehensive interview. So if you could get the bulk of it done and then go back to them and say, hey, I just have a couple remaining questions. Get on the phone. Literally, like, do not wait for them to write you back. Get on the phone, get their words, do a Zoom, record it, transcribe it, or just take copious notes as you are listening to them. Because you know those clients. I had a client once that doesn't even email. She runs her entire business. I am not kidding you over text messages. It's insane. She only responds to texts and every single business transaction, we're talking like multi-million dollar transactions, all over text. And it's insane. So you have to know how, like if I sent her an email, she wouldn't even respond and I wouldn't even know if she got it. So I kind of figured out, <laughs> I kind of figured out that this woman is not on email. Like why even have an email? So if you text her, she will respond. She knows how to find things on text. That's her mode of communication. 
totally not a typical way we respond. You know, we communicate with clients, but you got to meet them where they are. And we know some clients just absolutely will not give you a reply. It's like sitting there and they know it's important, but they're working on a million other things. So schedule a quick call. That's your solution and get them on. Um, If they don't get back to you in time, then just answer as best you can. It's better to secure an opportunity than to wait for the client and say it's your fault because they're never going to see it as their fault. They will see it as your fault. Um, Another point is if your client consistently doesn't or won't respond to interviews or other types of opportunities, then you have to stop pitching them. You cannot keep pitching and letting these opportunities fall through and wasting your time, risking and jeopardizing your relationships, making you look really bad. So you have to let your clients know that since they aren't open to responding or they're really not available to meet a tight deadline, maybe just kind of position it as the kind of right now, like you're working on this launch or you're doing a rebrand or whatever, um, you have to let them know that because they're not able to meet tight deadlines that for now you can't pitch on their behalf for those specific opportunities where you need their input. And you wanna make it a really respectful conversation. There's no blame, it's not a blame game. Just acknowledge how busy they are and that you don't wanna add more to their plate that isn't a priority for them. Um, And if it is a priority, have them let you know and ask them the best way for you to convey to them that something is really urgent and you do need to get their attention and how much time is an appropriate window for them to get back to you. So if you know that they can't respond to you within 48 hours and you have a 24-hour deadline, you can't throw their hat in for that. Or you have to let the journalist know, I'm so sorry, my client is um, running a, a sales conference right now and they're not available in 24 hours. If you can extend to 48 hours, I can certainly get back to you. Um, let me know because we'd love to you know, get you connected to this, this uh, person. They'd be great for your article, whatever. Um, but always a respectful conversation. And you can always tell the client that if their schedule lightens up, and they do want these opportunities to be a priority, you can just switch up your strategy and add these pitches back in. But man, it just sucks when you're pitching and you're spending all this time and you're spinning your wheels because they're the bottleneck. They are the bottleneck. Like, guys, why did you bring me in here? Um, The most important thing really is preserving your reputation and your relationships and connection to these media contacts. I mean, this is what the client is paying you for. And obviously other clients are paying you for those connections and your industry expertise. We have somebody designated internal in the company. One of our clients um, is a breast pump company and their internal spokesperson is a lactation consultant that sits on their board. And she responds immediately and she always has helpful advice and works in the client's company and their products. And it's so organic. And that type of person has gotten more traction. She's actually more appealing to uh, an interview or a story than having the CMO reply. And we know that we have her in our back pocket and we're getting tons of press for our clients having her as a spokesperson. So I love that idea. Have a designated person who you know is going to be responsive and you can leverage that expert 
and get immediate opportunities for them. Um, so that's, you know, really good. And obviously having somebody you can bring to the media with expertise is going to help you foster those relationships that you've worked so hard to build and you're showing them I'm useful. I have a useful contact for you. That's going to make your story better. Um, the other thing too, is I always look at working with clients when we're in that sales phase as like a mutual courtship, right? It's like dating, you know, you want to make sure that they're going to be a good fit for you as much as you're going to be for them. So I interview clients when we get on sales calls, I will interview them. When you vet your clients, you want to really think about how easy they're going to be to work with. And like I said, you don't have to say yes to every client opportunity. And in fact, you really shouldn't. But that like interview process where they're reaching out to you and asking, what can you do for me? You're vetting them the same as they are you. And you're thinking to yourself, how are you going to be to work with? Will I be able to get results for you? Will you support me in my efforts? Or are you going to be a bottleneck? I don't want to work with a client that is going to hold me up, slow me down, um, I always say, you know, we operate like a speedboat when other big agencies are like steering a cruise ship. We're nimble. And if the client can't get us what we need and allow us to excel in how quickly we get results for them, then we're not doing what we know how to do and what our media contacts come to rely on us for. And that's a no-go for me. 